Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Oh, Pater! Pater! Hi, everyone, and welcome to another edition of Pater, a Penn State football podcast, along with former Penn State quarterback Matt McGloin. I'm Tom Hannafin. This show is brought to you by our sponsors, Funk Brewing, the official craft beer partner of Pater. Now, we're big fans of Funk Citrus IPA and Silent Disco IPA. However, we want to let you know about three Funk Brewing beers that you've got to check out. The Little Citrus Session IPA and the Peach Bikes Shandy are available right now. Also, the Mango Sour Power is available as of today. It's a sour ale brewed with mango. Mango Sour Power is available now. You got to check it out. You can get all of these great beers at Funk's Tap Rooms now in Emmaus, Elizabethtown, and York. And of course, you can find Funk Brewing products at your favorite beer distributor and grocery store. For more information, visit funkbrewing.com, especially to learn where and how you can get their fantastic products. Must be 21 years or older to purchase. Please drink responsibly. Also, Paydirt is brought to you by our partners at BetOnline, who continue to be the number one source for all your betting needs and sports info. Find all of the latest sports developments, including updated odds on the NBA and NHL playoffs, Major League Baseball, fights, and even next season's NFL futures. BetOnline is your continued source for all your sports wagering needs, including live betting and your favorite Vegas casino and poker games. It's super easy to get started, so head to the website today or use your mobile device to join and use our promo code believe that's b-l-e-a-v to receive your 50 percent welcome bonus on your first deposit pay dirt is presented by bet online where the game starts so matt we're into the we're almost officially into summer but we're into the summer months not a ton of headlines or anything like that but we can always look ahead to what the 2022 season is going to look like in regards to penn state football and the big 10 conference overall so with that our guest today is a buddy of yours from the NFL Network, Mr. Rhett Lewis. What is his? Uh, what's your relationship with Rhett? Yeah, so I, uh, Rhett's a part of our SiriusXM ESPNU Big Ten crew, um, and had a, a, you know the pleasure of working with Rhett um, a bunch of times. You know, on the radio on SiriusXM on on Big Ten Radio. Um, you know, he does a fantastic job um, on the NFL Network. He does mock drafts. Um, he's been around for a long time. Obviously, he's a former graduate of Indiana, so Rhett knows the ins and outs of, of Big Ten football as well. So it'd be fantastic to get him on the show today, talk to him a little bit about, you know, what, you know, and that's like, that's one of the reasons why we have Mond because the mock drafts we've seen from 2023 have some interesting players on it. Mm-hmm. Some former Tom. Penn State player or players that we might so, want to talk about. So, Ray yeah, and Rhett does mock drafts himself, so I'll, I'll be interested to talk with him about that and see if he's done one for, for 2023 and what he thinks about some of the people um, that could potentially be big names to look out for this season and heading in to next year's draft, but really excited to talk to him in a few minutes. Yeah, Rhett is uh, a former Indiana University wide receiver. He's about to become the radio analyst uh, for Indiana Hoosiers football. So uh, it's a big week for Rhett, so we're excited to have him on. It's also a big week for us here at Pater. This is a very important announcement. Starting Thursday, June 2nd, Pater will be syndicated on ESPN State College every Thursday from 3 p.m. to 4 p.m. Eastern during the offseason, and then that will adjust during Penn State football's regular season, and we get back to our Monday-Friday episodes of Pater. This is 
really, really exciting. We are so thrilled to be teaming up with ESPN State College, who you and I have appeared on multiple times and uh, jumped on with Steve Jones, the voice of Penn State football. But uh, personally, I'm so grateful to the Believe Network for arranging this partnership. Uh, our editor and uh, you know, our liaison for all things, Joe DeLeon, has been awesome for us. But um, this is really cool, Matt, because we've been working on this for, you know, to say only eight months, I think do- doesn't do it justice in terms of what we put into this. But it's still crazy that in eight months time, we get to be broadcasting in front of ESPN State College. I'm really excited. Yeah, I think one of the uh, the great things about this, Tom, and you know, as you mentioned, doing this for eight nine months now, you know, and how fast this this Pater show has grown, it's because of the support and listeners we have, right? You know, um, a fantastic you know fan base, people that download each and every week, people that watch on YouTube each and every week. I've I've been you know uh, asked a number of times about it. You know when you know. I'm out at an event or something like that. Hey, Matt, love the podcast. We enjoy listening to it, you know, things like that. So it's 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 awesome to see that people have tuned in and people appreciate what we're saying. Um, but uh, we love it. You know, we love we love talking football. We love talking Penn State football. Um, and yeah, really excited and really look forward to what the future holds for uh, for the Pater podcast. Now, just for the record, this is still going to continue in its podcast form uh, for everybody watching and listening. You're still going to be able to get this first thing Wednesday morning on YouTube, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts. Again, head to Believe.com, B-L-E-A-V.com to the show page, and it'll tell you all the different platforms we're available on. But then on Thursday afternoons, as I mentioned, 3 p.m. to 4 p.m. starting on Thursday, June 2nd, we are going to be available on ESPN State College. So, we're really, really excited about this. And uh, to your point, uh, you know, I'm excited to be in State College, Pennsylvania in that market. But, you know, also a big thank you uh, to our fans internationally uh, in Germany, Canada, Australia, the UK, Northern Ireland, China, Korea, uh, Mexico, Japan, Israel, Ukraine, Turkey, the Netherlands, Costa Rica, Kenya, Turks and Caicos, which I had a fabulous time there once, uh, Iraq, Taiwan, Russia, Sweden, France, Jamaica, uh, the Bolivarian Republic of Venezuela, there you go, Guam, the Hellenic Republic, Estonia, Romania, Mozambique, Thailand, Hong Kong, New Zealand, Portugal, Spain, Switzerland, Belgium, the Slovak Republic, the Dominican Republic, and Bermuda. What, are you looking at your globe there? No. <laughs> <laughs> that Seriously, that's all the statistics, thanks to courtesy of Believe, that's of great. Yeah. where Penn State fans are listening. So we're very grateful to everybody listening, not only uh, domestically here in the United States, internationally, and then we're going to be a part of the State College uh, community. I'm really excited about it. So anyways, that's our big news. We're looking forward to starting uh, with ESPN State College Thursdays, June 2nd. You can go to foreverstatecollege.com. That's foreverstatecollege.com to learn more about that. And I'll put the link in the description of this podcast. Without further ado, let's get to Rhett Lewis of the NFL Network. Joining us now here on Pater from the NFL Network, Mr. Rhett Lewis. Rhett, thank you for joining us. Uh, this is uh, a big week for you in particular because uh, earlier this week, uh, if I'm correct, based off of your Twitter, you were named as the new radio analyst 
for Indiana Hoosiers football. Uh, my question to you is, <laughs> did you command uh, what Tom Brady's getting from Fox in terms of $375 million for 10 years? Exponentially, in yeah, fact. Yeah, uh, like Tom, a million more. And yes. like, we're good. Yeah. yeah, we just we had to top it. We knew Tom was coming. We knew that deal was coming down the pike. And so, like, I'm just I'm thankful you know, to IU uh, for, for really stepping up to the plate in that regard. But uh, <laughs> excited to be with you guys. And yeah, excited for the season ahead, man. Uh, you know, I, I'm lucky to get to work with Matt a bunch on Big Ten Radio and and to talk, uh, you know, Big Ten ball with him. And um, and so, you know, to kind of get this next little piece of the portfolio, if you will, just kind of felt natural. And it's going to be heck. It's going to be it's going to be difficult on the travel schedule, but uh, but excited for the challenges. Yeah, that's always the case with play-by-play. So I sympathize. Um, yes. To be able to do that at your alma mater, do you sit there and think about like, how do I be, you know, down the middle, or is it okay if you're not? It's yeah, it's a great, it's a great point because I think you know, for better or worse, um, so many of those those color analysts that end up, you know, getting that Homer title are beloved by the people that most that mo- most often listen to them but then are like, you know, hated by everyone else. So, um I'm I'm looking forward to that love-hate relationship. I'm going to try to keep it down the middle, you know, um we're going to we're going to be more on the on the constructive criticism side when when that needs to happen. Um but yeah, I'm going to be excited when IU scores, wins and beats Penn State. Well, let's calm down. Oh, whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> let's relax. First of all, Penix was out of bounds. Let's just say okay. that. How do I turn this off? <laughs> I said it. I said it. I said it when that happened. It didn't yeah. matter oh, if he did was inbounds. It didn't matter if he was oh. inbounds. It didn't matter if he was out of bounds. He was getting that call because they yep. deserved to be there in that moment. I agree. They deserved to win that football game. I agree. Good for you, Matt. Good for you. <laughs> and Penn State definitely deserved to, to lose that. We, we believe yeah, that. Yeah, that's true. Yep. So, Rhett, you know, we, we've talked about it on our own podcast, you know, at least yeah. uh, on the college football side heading into the summer. Uh, we're in the doldrums. There's not a ton happening right now. If anything, it's a lot of people projecting of what's going to happen. And one thing that Matt and I have just found absolutely fascinating, considering the <laughs> NFL draft just wrapped up, is the projections for 2023. And one of them that really jumped out, not just to Penn State fans, but especially just for football fans altogether is that former Penn State quarterback and now Kentucky Wildcats quarterback, Will Levis, is projected by some not only to be a top 10 pick, but I saw one CBS sports writer who picks him as the number one overall pick. Um, What's your gut reaction to hearing these way too early 2023 draft predictions? It's pure entertainment. It is pure entertainment value. For instance, last year, a 2022 way too early mock draft, which came out, I think, days after the 2021 NFL draft in Cleveland, had Spencer Rattler as the number one overall Mm. pick. He's now no longer in consideration to be a number one overall pick, but he's not even at the same school. And that was attributed to his name in that mock draft. Um, that, That mock draft also had the Cincinnati Bengals as the third worst team. Like they were going to be picking third, which obviously didn't happen. They ended up picking second to last uh, as the AFC champion. So that's the the really difficult part is like trying to figure out and predict what you know what the order is going to be and the teams that are going to be up there. Obviously, there's a few who we expect to be worse than others. Fine, but um, but then you start to attribute names and look. Here's the interesting part about this, guys: is like the quarterback chairs like are starting to fill up, like in 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 a way in which you would think. Man, it's going to be tough to kind of forecast who's really going to be looking for a quarterback. Mm-hmm. Now, I know we only had one quarterback go in the first round this year, and Kenny Pickett, and that was probably about right. I, I thought that um, you know Malik Willis and 
um, Desmond Ritter and Matt Corral and Sam Howell probably all went a little bit later than I thought they would. I thought we'd get some in the second, some in the third. I mean, like, by the way, the, the mock draft I was just referencing had Sam Howell as a first round draft pick. He obviously went in the fifth round. Mm -hmm. So it's that was about right where he should have been. Well, mm -hmm. <laughs> so let's go. Oh, it's all calmed down. Yeah. 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 So look, it's, um, it's pure entertainment value. And I mean, look, talking about Will, Will Levis, I, for one, and I'd love to get you, you guys' thoughts on this, was shocked at how well he ended up playing in this yep. last year for Kentucky based on what we saw at Penn State. And I think that's maybe the biggest piece of the conversation when we're projecting quarterbacks because fit and the three Ps, as I talk about uh, on another podcast I do with my buddies, Daniel Jeremiah and Bucky, Bucky Brooks um, on Move the Sticks is philosophy, play caller, and playmakers. Who's calling the plays? What's the scheme? And who's around yep. you? Yep. That's and that you could attest to this too. Like that determines success so often for quarterbacks, right? You know, it's crazy because when you watch Levis play in 2021 and you watch Sean Clifford play in 2021, and I know Sean, we, we talked about a number of times on the podcast, Tom. Sean dealt with injuries, yeah, 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 know, for, for a majority in 2021. Will Levis better than Sean Clifford, yes, and it's just like. Could you have said that though? Started, I, no, in the twenty twenty season, no, no, no. no. <laughs> like he, he's he's more polished, and yeah. I, obviously, both of you guys know I'm a tough critic when it comes, yes. especially when it comes to quarterback play. But like sometimes, like he does jump off the screen at you a little bit. Now I'm not putting him in, you know, the back room at the draft in Kansas City next year, right? right. And waiting, waiting to hear his name called on night one. Um, but like his footwork was quicker. His con he's confident out there. He plays fast. He can play from under center too, guys, which is a huge plus when making that transition to the NFL. And to your point, Rhett, Kentucky used their offense and their playbook to his strengths, which is what you're supposed to do, which I give Liam Cohen, obviously he's moved on to the Rams now. Right. I give him a ton of credit for what he did um, with Will yeah. Levis and how he was able to develop in a short time. Like it was night and day from the Will Levis we saw at Penn State who played against Iowa, who played against Nebraska in 2020. Uh, 2020. Um, I, I certainly think number one's a stretch right now, right? You have to be can't miss for me to yeah. take you there. Um, I have to have zero concerns about you as a quarterback, but if he does it again yeah, and then improves and continues to play well, then who knows? But have you, and I saw this year, the one yeah. Tom was talking about that CBS draft, with uh, C.J. Stroud at three, Bryce Young at five. I saw Green Bay taking a quarterback. Just stop with that, please. <laughs> Did you? I know you do mocks, Brett. Yeah. Have you done a mock for 2023 yet? Are you going to? I, I, I don't. I usually just, I, honestly, I do one like official mock draft every year. Like one and only one because, you know, otherwise we're just kind of throwing stuff at the wall and seeing what sticks when you start doing six and ten different mock drafts and you're just changing things up just for the heck of changing things up. Um, so I try to do one draft like that comes on comes out the actual week of the draft because I feel like that's we've had as much intel as we're going to get. We have as much of an idea of what these teams are going to look like. <clears throat> you know, although this this year was kind of an outlier, it felt like we were getting a, a ridiculous bonkers trade for a, a marquee player like once a week, if if not more than that. Um, so I have not done one yet, but I would say at this point, my feeling is that C.J. Stroud would be the first quarterback off yeah. the board. Based on physical stature, based on skill set, and based on the numbers that he is about to put up and the production that he is going to have this year in Ohio State's offense with arguably an even more talented wide receiver crew than the one we just saw produce two first-round picks. Yeah. So, And the other thing on on um, it, when I look at Bryce Young is just... 
when teams get a look at him and you see him in person and like you compare him next to CJ Stroud, I just don't know how you can make that call and not say it's going to be CJ Stroud just based on body type. Um, and look, I know we've had smaller players succeed in the NFL. Kyler Murray, certainly one of them, a little bit more compact, I feel like, than Bryce, um, maybe a little bit more wiry. I don't know. Like, I, I think he's a heck of a quarterback. I just don't know how people are going to view that body type. Yeah. Well, I, I, that seems like it's one of the reasons why Levis is getting great a, a point. Lot of this, a lot of this hype right exactly now. Exactly right. And it's because of also, you know, some of those skills that he kind of showed us on the ground because now it's like, all right, mm-hmm. look, look at Carson Strong, you know, put up a ton of yards in his career, but could barely move and ends yeah. up going undrafted. And obviously some of that is um, injury related, but, you know, the fact that Will is a big, strong kid and can run and showed us that what over 300 yards, almost 400 yards rushing last year. I bet you see, I bet you see even more of that this coming year um, for Kentucky. And then the thing that gives me pause about Levis is in a college system, which are, you know, especially now, you know, Matt, more so than when you and I played, like it's so quarterback friendly. Like, mm-hmm. right. I mean, so you look at offenses like Ryan days or you look at offenses like um, Lincoln Riley's at Kentucky. I mean, the, the windows of separation or the windows that you're throwing in the amount of separation, it's so much bigger. Um, you got to see more than you got to see way more than a two to one touchdown interception ratio. Yeah. Right. Yeah. You got to We got to be talking single digit interceptions for a first round quarterback, essentially. And then you want to see the, the, the touchdown numbers. You want to see the past, the yardage numbers, I think, would, would have to be a little bit more, even though I think Malik Willis is kind of an outlier in that. Um, but if you're talking about first round quarterbacks, there's going to have to be some fine tuning there in terms of production. So even so, when you look at it, guys that were drafted this year compared yeah. to guys that are potentially going to be drafted next year. What's more important, what a guy can do right now or what he could be? Or does that just depend yeah. on what that team needs at that moment? It's a good point. And I, I think, um, you know, it's a it's a good case study, you know, this year too, compared to 2021 when we had five quarterbacks go in the first 15 picks. And, you know, we had six of the first eight quarterbacks drafted start a bunch of games. Really, I, I guess I should say five of eight because Trey Lance really only started what the one um, that I can remember, but he was, you know, he was a number three overall pick. So, um, I think now like you can't, if you're drafting a quarterback in the first round, it's more than likely the plan is like, all right, we're going to let him sit that it, more than likely. That's not mm-hmm. what it's going to be, mm-hmm. right? You're going to be thrust into the starting lineup. If not week one, it's coming soon, sooner than later. And unfortunately it's because you're probably going to a bad team before we go any further. We want to let you know that all of us involved in the Pater podcast are proud supporters of THON, also known as the Penn State Dance Marathon. THON is a year-long effort dedicated to raising funds and awareness for its sole beneficiary, Four Diamonds at Penn State Health Children's Hospital. THON is the largest student-run philanthropy in the world, committed to enhancing the lives of children and families impacted by childhood cancer. Four Diamonds picks up where insurance leaves off to relieve financial stress and provide emotional support so that no family ever has to see a medical bill. Since 1973, THON has raised well over $200 million in the fight against childhood cancer and counting. To learn more about THON's year-long efforts or to donate, visit THON.org. That's T-H-O-N dot O-R-G. It's all for the kids. Make a difference in the life of a child today. And on another personal note, we want to take this opportunity to put a spotlight on mental health with an initiative called Tag Me In. Tag Me In is simply asking for people to tag in on the conversation and help strip away the stigma around mental health. Whether you're looking to lend support, 
you want to talk, you want to share, maybe you need some help. We invite you to join in on the conversation. We encourage you to make a video if you'd like, post it on your social media channels and use hashtag tag me in and hashtag tag me in United. At the very least, we want to hear from you. You are not alone. Tag me in. Visit tagmeinunited.com to learn more. Which is why this year was so different in that the quarterbacks, you know, you had Kenny go with the first, you know, with the first quarterback taking a 20 overall to the Steelers. It's a pretty good team. Like he's got a, he, I think he's got a really good, it's a really good situation for him. Um, plus he's coming to a coordinator now that has some college background that uh, in, in his, in what he wants to do and what he couldn't do the last year with Ben Roethlisberger, he can do now with Kenny Pickett and talking about Matt Canada. Um, so I think that's, that's a really interesting piece of it too. So like, are you going to a team that has a retiring quarterback that has a pretty good pretty good squad? Are you getting drafted 20 to 32 to a pretty good team? Or are you going top five where, you know, outside of, um, you know, like some trade, you know, that sent the team up to the top, you know, that, that has a pretty good team, you're going to a bad team. And so the likelihood of you starting is pretty high. So I think that's, that's kind of how I view the, the right now or later. It's just like, when you look at it, like, I I just, I have to laugh because like there's so much, there's such a want for that position for the yes. quarterback position. And there just aren't a lot of guys that can do it. So like when you look at it, <laughs> like there, there isn't like, I'm there's not, less than not, 10 in the league that are it's great. Entirely the hype right. behind Will Levis, in my opinion, is that people look at him, they think, oh, Josh Allen, and he'll be just like Josh Allen. It's like, right. no, I mean, like yes. that's not always going to be the case just because he has certain measurables. I, Matt, to your point, I think that's what people see. And how much of it, like when you look at a guy like, like Levis or uh, I don't know, a Stroud or, or somebody yeah. that oh has a ton of potential could be, this could be a great play at the next level. How much of it is NFL teams and the organization believing that they can turn a quarterback into something special rather than just saying, listen, yeah. there, there's just, there's nobody out there for us right now. Let's find a capable vet and let's bring in some top tier free agents here and build around this guy. And yeah, Build, you know, build a great team that way, and know we're going to be in a, a, a competition week in and week out. We're going to have a chance to win games rather than taking a risk on a guy that is just a good athlete who might turn into something one day. Yeah, it's a good point. Um, you know, certainly. So, you know, I'm, by the way, since you you piqued my interest when you guys were talking about this in terms of forecasting the 2023 season or the 2023 draft, you know, I'm just looking at the teams that could consider taking a quarterback and I'm like, there is a very limited amount of teams that are going to be looking in like, let's say that top 10 to 15 pick range for a quarterback, like maybe Seattle. Um, You're talking about maybe, golly, maybe Carolina, if things just completely fall off the tracks, Mm -hmm. you know, there again, and you're talking about regime change, you know, at head coach. Um, Mm -hmm. I mean, it's, it's limited because even teams that have quarterbacks that are at the end of their their shelf life here, like the Bucks, like they took Kyle Trask, you know, in the second round a year ago. You know, are they ready to turn the reins to him? Um, like, you know, maybe if um, you know, you're you're talking about maybe if Miami completely falls on their face and to and they find out Tua Tunga Vailoa isn't the answer, maybe that's that's a spot. But it's like it's limited. Um, but as you know, and it was kind of interesting to see that this year, I we all kind of thought, like, all right. It's not the strongest of quarterback classes, but eventually they're all going to get pushed up because that's just what happens. Although this year it didn't. It was like a course correction. Mm. You know what I mean? Seeing Kenny go 20th and then getting another one to the third round. 
So, um, I mean, I've seen, you know, like, I don't know, you guys look at Vegas and, and the odds and all that. And I, I don't really get into it that much, but I did see someone put out there that the, uh, the total on quarterbacks drafted in the first round for over under next year, as of right now, was six and a half. Wow. Which is insane. Like yeah. five yeah. is a ton. Yeah. I, I, I mean, I can't even think of six right now that could go in the first round, honestly. <laughs> but so it, it feels like somebody's going to force Rattler maybe right. in the first. Yeah. But like, because eh. yeah. the great talent, you know, and you, and, and the, or the great talent that we, we think is still there um, that we're still not sure of. But that's the thing. Like, so much can happen. Um, you know, like Kenny Pickett, you know, like is a middling productor, uh, uh, like middling in terms of production as a quarterback his entire career and then busts out with 42 and seven this yep. last year. Same with Joe Burrow, you know, with the with the Tigers uh, back in 2019. So there's so much of that can be influenced by this last year. Now, I think we're kind of mm-hmm. seeing that same with Mac Jones, you know, last year. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that that's kind of the curiosity part of this whole thing. In your experience, Rhett, and obviously working for the NFL Network and covering the draft and doing all the mock drafts, like yeah. do these teams, like do they ever take in consideration what a player has gone through in his career when it comes to a playbook and learning new offenses? Yeah, because you look at like you look at a guy like Sean Clifford. This is his fourth offensive coordinator that Sean has had to play for: Joe Moorhead, Ricky Ronnie, Kirk Sharaka, and now Mike Yursich. And like when you're dealing with that, you, he's dealt with that his whole career. Like his best year you could argue was his sophomore year. But at least, Tom, he had some continuity there when he Mm -hmm. went from Joe Moorhead to Ricky Ronnie. system basically stayed the same. Um, But do they look at that stuff like this guy? Like, he's got some talent. There have been some inconsistencies in his play. He's been a captain. He's been a leader. He's played a lot of football. I I think... I think that definitely plays a role. Um, and I think, you know, while it can be viewed as a negative in terms of production and in terms of, um, you know, how that affected, you know, overall team and individual success year over year, um, I think it could also be looked at as, as a positive in once we get to draft evaluation season, because you're talking about a guy that, that's been exposed to a lot of different concepts. And then now it's only a positive if you still absorb that stuff and if you can spit that stuff out. And and number one, if you can process it, if you can process it quickly. And because Matt, I mean, like as you know, there are two things that are really hard to improve once you get to the league. One is your ability to process stuff, both mm-hmm. you know from the whiteboard to the field and from the play call to the execution of the actual play. Um, like those two pieces of processing are what made Joe Burrow elite. That's what made Matt Jones a first-round quarterback. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's also, to an extent, what made Kenny Pickett um, appealing. And then, you know, accuracy, right? I think Josh Allen is like the outlier in terms of improving accuracy once you get to the league. Like, it's a dude that went you know, like from year two to year three. We're talking about like a twenty percent increase in completion percentage, which is virtually unheard of. Mm-hmm. And and so, like, I'd throw that back at you, Matt. Like, how? And I, I understand that you can become more comfortable with concepts and you can be more comfortable in, in an offense once you get to the league and, and you can probably speed your, your brain up mm-hmm. a little bit that way. Yeah. But in terms of seeing the field and like having it kind of unlock to you in like a matrix sort of way or in, in, in like a, you know, like a goodwill hunting sort of way where you can draw the numbers <laughs> on the mirror, you know what I mean? Like that's hard to like, that's hard yeah. to improve. You know uh-huh. what I mean? You either have it or you don't, right? Everybody always asks about the speed of the game. Like, how different was the speed of the game in the NFL compared to the speed of the game in college? I'm like, yeah, it's 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 a lot quicker. Like, your 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 footwork needs to be quicker. You can't have any missteps. Yeah. Like, 
everything needs to be in check right from your head to your toes. Um, but you adjust to it, but you make it slower. And what I mean by that is if I'm, if I'm looking at coverage and I got whatever cover two, for example, I got my cover two beaters within the play. I'm sure. here to here. Yeah. That's it. You know what I'm saying? Right. Right. I, I have to, I, I, whatever. I may have five different routes, yeah. but depending on coverage, I'm one, I'm, I'm one to two to, you three, know where you're and, going and yeah. that's it. Right. Yeah. You have a pretty good idea where the football should go before the snap. Um, yeah. Always have a plan too. Yeah. You, you, every time you break the cut, all right, here's, here's what I'm ex- like. I, I think of it like in baseball terms, like, like I play baseball, basketball, football growing up. I probably should, I talk about it. I probably should have played baseball because that's where all the guaranteed money is. <laughs> that's where the money's at, baby. I, I'd probably still, I'd probably still be playing, right, but yeah. that's like when, when I'm a batter and I'm facing a pitcher, like you know, Nolan Ryan's fastball is the express. Yeah. Right. You know, I think yeah. like oh, yeah. that, like except for the express adjusts to the rest. I'm always setting fastball, but if something else comes for me, I'm ready for it. And I have a plan. Yeah. That's what it is with football, situational football, certain downs and distances. You've done your studying and preparation throughout the course of the week. Hey, they love cover three. They love man here. I get yeah. down the red zone. I got to be ready for cover zero because they may bring it. So I got this play, but you bring cover zero and back my mind, I'm checking here and I'm burning you because of it. And you do something yeah. like that early in the game, right? That completely changes the defensive coordinator's mentality. Like I can't call I that challenging this dude. Yeah, yeah, yeah. These guys have a plan. Let's let's back off a little bit. Let's readjust and go. And then like you just get more comfortable, and and you get you know yeah, you know you get in that zone. And that's the difference I think between some guys that you know are are coached at an NFL level throughout college right. and some that aren't. And yeah. that's like and why this is so I think intriguing to Penn State fans right now. What's going yeah. on here with the Will Levis thing and, and compared to Sean Clifford and. Like these guys are going to be tied together now because of this. Of course. Right. Forever. And it's like, uh, yeah. what, what, why is he doing this at Penn State? Why yeah. couldn't he do this at Penn State? But he's doing it at Kentucky. And Penn State fans, you're wondering if they missed their chance in a great quarterback with Will Levis. The answer is you didn't, Brett. They didn't. Right. They didn't. Because he might not have been a great quarterback for you. Exactly. Exactly. He would still be the 2020 version of right. Will Levis because he wouldn't have gotten the coaching he's gotten at Kentucky. Yeah, right? he wouldn't have gotten to, to work with Liam Cohen, who worked for Sean McVay for three years yeah. prior to being the offensive coordinator and quarterback coach. The, 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 to be able, uh, he was able to develop this dude in a hurry. And believe me, I was a product of good coaching in my fifth year at Penn State. Right? Yeah. I know, I, I know how fast it can happen, but I also know how much left there is to improve on. So, Rhett, when you look at that, you look at yeah. that, how often does this stuff happen? Like guys transferring, they get the NFL coaching and all of a sudden they become a completely different player. And now they have a chance at, at an NFL career. Yeah. I think it happens. I think it happens more often than not, honestly. And I think that's, that's one of the, um, you know, I think that's one of the positive things of the transfer portal is that, you know, like, all right, I've been somewhere, let's just say it's two to three years, right? I don't even know what the average is now on, on players entering the portal. I'm sure it's all over the place. Um, but, You've been somewhere two to three years, and you've had an opportunity to be immersed in scheme, even if it's changed from year to year while you've been at that first institution. Like, all right, well, this is who I am under this coaching staff. Mm-hmm. Can I be someone different with a with another fit? Because you know, like it, the offensive coordinator that recruited you to your school. I mean, like the chances that that guy's there all four years of your career. That's like slim to none, right? Yeah. I mean, like sad, even, man. It's sad. It's sad. It, it is that sad, happened? but it's but it's it's just reality. And so, like, we have to understand the reality of the portal, and especially for quarterbacks when they enter the portal. Like, 
all right, like I, you know, I was a, I was a 2,500 yard passer and a 25 touchdown to, you know, 10 interception guy. Like, um, and you know, like and I just throw out the numbers just as a baseline, obviously this, this conversation isn't necessarily predicated on numbers, but like, can I go be, you know, a 40 touchdown guy somewhere else under better coaching or a more, or, or a scheme that's more friendly to my skill set? Because, you know, like I was sold a certain bill of goods here with this, with this coaching staff. That's not exactly what's happening now. And I'm just not, my skill set is not necessarily suited for this scheme and this fit. Let me go find a fit somewhere else and see if I can become a better player. Mm-hmm. I think that's fair. Um, I think that's fair. I mean, like we see it happen in the NFL all the time. Yeah. Um, you know, like I, I look at, this, is, this isn't the best example, but like I'll look at, um, let's say, you know, let, let's just take Mitch Trubisky, for example, like in Chicago, wasn't good, was not a good fit. But like in the limited action we saw in Brian Dable's system in Buffalo as a backup, mm-hmm. like even in mop-up duty, that dude looked like a different player. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he had better players around him. He had a scheme that was obviously more friendly to his skill set. We saw that with Josh Allen. We saw that when he increased his his completion percentage and started being a more accurate passer. Or you know, like it's it, there's also the idea that like okay, he didn't necessarily become a more accurate quarterback just in, in terms of his individual skill set, but the offense put him in a position to become a more accurate quarterback with more mm-hmm. defined reads, with better progressions, with better players. Um, you know, and with better play calling. So like, I, I think that that's all, that's all something that we see at the NFL level too. We're seeing more of it now, I would say. And then I, I think that's a big piece of the transfer portal at the college level. And that'll in turn become a big piece of the transition from college to the NFL. So you talk about the transfer portal, uh, the yeah. big name that's jumping to mind. We're talking about Kenny Pickett a lot, his former wide receiver, Jordan Addison, puts it out there that he wants out. And yeah. all of a sudden you see some crazy things out there in regards to more so name, image, and likeness affecting the transfer portal. And now there's so many different things that are being put in front of uh, government to try yeah. and limit name, image, and likeness because it kind of has gotten out of control. I personally am okay with like Bijan Robinson getting a Lamborghini or something like that. Yeah. And then somebody from Texas allegedly offering Addison $5 million to come play for the Longhorns. I understand that people are upset about this, but it's like, I heard somebody say name, image, and likeness, like now it's legal. And it's like, yeah, this didn't end with pony excess back at SMU. (laughs) Like this has been going on. Let's not kid ourselves. Where do you land on what's going on with name, image, and likeness now? I'm all for it. I was all for it when it was happening. Um, Certainly would have been all for it as a player. Um, (laughs) But, but you know, that was back when the transfer portal didn't really exist. Right. right? And nobody really transferred. Like, and if you did, you were sitting out for a year for the most part. But um, so I I would say that um, I am for it the way it was initially intended to lure people away from a school and into another school. It just doesn't feel right to me. Yeah. But look, the train's on the tracks, man. Um, you know, either get on board or you're getting run over. And like that's that's the message that I think is being sent here. And I know that there's been talk about, you know, trying to legislate this thing in a different way. I mean, like if if somehow the NCAA comes um around to figuring out the right solution to here, color me like absolutely surprised, right? I mean, because if essentially we're like, oh yeah, we should do an AL now, I guess. Uh, you guys good with that? Okay, you're not. Doesn't matter. We're doing it. And so it was like, oh, all right. This is the twelve oh one. You know, this past summer and whatever month that was, it was everything was legal. The way I mean, like I think you know, it was clear that unintended consequences were going to be 
a big piece of this. And that's what we're seeing now. I hate it that it's luring kids away from a certain school. Now, in, Ad- in Addison's defense, loses his quarterback, who's a first-round pick yeah, in the, the NFL, we and saying, his offensive yeah. coordinator. You know, Business so decision. Like, Business it, decision. It is. It is. Yeah. And is, are you going to be in a better position to succeed at USC? Like, you know, with Lincoln Riley or, you know, at, at Texas with Sark and whoever, you know, that, that they recruit in there. Like, yeah, it's possible. Um, here's the thing, so, too. Go ahead. Here's, here's the thing, too, with that, Rhett. Like, that, obviously, that was a business decision. You're right. Mark Whipple takes the offensive coordinator job in Nebraska. Kenny Pick goes in the first round. Clearly, he doesn't think they can repeat and do what they did a year ago. Right? Goes to USC, wants yeah. to become that household name. What does this say to recruits about what Pitt has to offer you? Yeah, this isn't a good look for Pat Narduzzi's program, right? You win the ACC, you still can't do enough to promote a player, help him make money through the NIL, and convince him to stay. And one of the things I think people are forgetting is that, like, the odds are against you when you enter the portal, right? That's yeah. something that's not talked about enough because yeah, we see the Spencer there. Rattlers, <laughs> we see we see we see the Jordan Addisons, we see these big time players going to other programs or bigger programs. Um, I, I read an article. Yeah, it's like the one percenters. It, the, the the numbers were crazy. You don't realize it until yeah. you, you you read about it or you mm-hmm. see it in an article. I think I think it was around only around. I'll, I'll read it right here. Only around five and ten players are actually finding a new school to play for. Forty one percent have not found a new school. Are still looking transferred to a non NCAA school or left their sport completely. And the article is from April twenty fifth wow. hmm. um, of this past this this year, twenty twenty two. So I mean that's crazy to me. When, when when you see something like that in those no numbers, doubt. Um, yeah, I mean, the- I I just don't know. Um, I I know that we're trying to figure out, you know, like time periods to enter the portal and better time periods to, you know, so it's not like a year, you know, a, a, an all year thing. I know we have some of that now, but trying to make it a little bit more stringent, you know, will probably help facilitate that process. Um, that the weeding out of of guys that you know maybe shouldn't be in the portal. Um. I, hopefully that that's what happens, but I just I don't see that like who's going to come up with this solution on NIL that makes everybody happy. I, I agree with you, Rick. Because if like, NCW, the NCAA should have had an answer to this before they let yes. the cat out of the proverbial bag. Like they they created this monster by not doing anything. Yeah, exactly. That's where we're at now. So like I, I mean, are, are we gonna we're gonna send it into the the halls of Congress to figure out? I, I mean. Yeah, there, I mean that's kind of where we're going. Unfortunately, there have been greater issues go into those hallowed halls and come out, you know, a complete disaster than this. So, mm-hmm. oh, we've seen that very recently. Yeah. Um, so we are a Penn State podcast, uh, yes. and as we've talked about, Will Levis and Sean Clifford yes. a bit. Um, I would love to get your projection. You know, you're you're a Big Ten guy. You're going to be covering yeah. the Big Ten. Um, what is your projection for the Big Ten football conference looking at 2022? And where do you see Penn State fitting into that? Yeah, look, I, I think Penn State's always, and, and again, you know, with another fantastic recruiting class by James Franklin, um, you know, at least in terms of the, the way that uh, the, the ranking systems have it now. Obviously, we'll see what, you know, we'll see in a year or two on paper what that looks like and how many guys are still around because that's, that's kind of the way that you have to evaluate these things truly now. But um, I, I think just the, the level of talent is always going to place Penn State, the level of consistent talent is always going to place Penn State in a position of contention. Um, I just I, I think that's that's going to be the case. I still I still look at them as a rung below Ohio State um, in this conversation, and and perhaps still uh, a notch below Michigan and um, what they have coming back because it it does feel like it's like 
it's like one A, you know, one one is one is Ohio State, you know, two A is Michigan, two B is is Penn State, and two C is is Michigan State. And and so like how do we, you know, and and then you know, where does where where do the guy the, the teams that are still clawing for that consistency, like my Hoosiers, you know, who have proven that it, you know, it, just two years ago they can compete with the big boys in in the East Division of the Big Ten. Um, but to do it consistently is what makes you, you know, a, a true, you know, contender and one of the, one of the big four. So I think, I think my Hoosiers will be back in contention this year with some solid, consistent quarterback play. Obviously, you know, we talked about the fact that, you know, how they, they played four different quarterbacks last year it was an absolute disaster. Um, so as long as that, that piece of it is settled, I think they'll be back in contention, but I think Penn state's right up there. I just think Ohio state's still in a class by themselves, both in the East yeah, and West yeah. with the talent that they have coming back and the way that they were able to beat Utah without, you know, a, a number of their best players, you know, leaving due to bowl prep uh, or leaving due to prep for the NFL draft, um, you know, tells us like, all right, <laughs> this team's going to compete for college football playoff, national, cha- you know, college football playoff appearance and national championship. And everybody else is going to have to prove it. They're going to have to prove that they're on that level and that they can chase down Ohio State. Um, and I think everyone is essentially in the same bag there, even Michigan, who beat them last year. So, um, and then on the West, like, <laughs> I yeah. don't know. You know, right? I guess Iowa and Wisconsin yeah. again. You know, Iowa, Wisconsin, uh, Minnesota. Purdue. Like, I think, I think, Purdue. It, I think Purdue. it's Purdue. Right now, I think it's Purdue. Don't sleep on Mich- or Minnesota either. Excuse yep. me. Yeah. I think Minnesota, I think Minnesota could be very good. They just, like for some of these schools throughout the Big Ten, you look at the like even Maryland, like yeah, the talent, the talent, the potential. Well, look at the quarterback have right, Talia yeah. and yeah. Aiden O'Connell, like are arguably two of the best quarterbacks yeah. that are returning yeah. in this conference. I, I just think I think they have to realize that they can win. Yeah, right. It's about changing yeah. that culture, changing that atmosphere, and knowing they can compete and win. If they're able to do that. You know, there there are some teams like like in Indiana, right? Yeah. That that can certainly make some noise this year. Yeah. In regards to uh, uh, last question here, uh, yeah. the, the ACC was batting around the idea of getting rid of divisions. Uh, what do you think about that? And should the Big Ten do that? I, I do like that idea. I really do. I like the idea that that we're going to get to see more teams on a, on a more consistent basis. And we can kind of shake that bag up a little bit um, because, you know, the East essentially... Um, you know, it's, it's the same two teams every it's year. The sa- it's mm-hmm. the same teams, and and it's the it's it's like uh, you know we have the Power Five, and then there's the Power Four in the big in the Big Ten East. You know what I mean? And, and yeah. so then, well, it's more like three, and then you know we're getting some rotation in with that fourth team. You know, it was it was Indiana 2020, it was Michigan State last year. Mm-hmm. Or, you know, like who jumps in, who's next in, and and who can stay in and stay in contention with those two teams. But yeah, I would love to see a little bit more parity in the East. And so maybe opening it up there, mm-hmm. um, kind of gives us, gives us that. And then, uh, you know, like, I don't know what, you know, what the, the proposal would be for non-conference and all that, but, um, maintaining some semblance of, of quality opponents within the Alliance, you know, if it still exists, um, here in the next couple of years would be fun to see too. <laughs> There's all sorts of fun things yes. where college football is going to get turned on its head. So, yes. um, Rhett, thank you so much for joining us. We really appreciate it. Best of luck to everything you're doing on the NFL network. Yes. And I sincerely hope the next time Indiana plays Penn state that it's painful for you and it's good. For no, <laughs> let's go. Come on. Seriously. Congratulations thank on you. that to be able thank to, you, man. Yeah. to be able you. to work for your home school. That's amazing. Cool, man. Congratulations. Yeah. Thank you for Thanks. joining us. Uh, and we'll see you guys Thanks next bunch, time guys. here on Pater.
Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.